All right. So, yeah, have a seat, please. Um, actually, stand with me the whole service. No. Um, so, welcome. Um, I'm just going to kind of dive into it with us right now, okay? Because um, that, that passage that was up there is where we're going to be um, throughout our time here today. And so, um, before I forget, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and hold your hand up high. Um, some people are going to come up front and they're going to get you one. If you don't have one with you um, today, yeah, hold your hand up high there. This isn't an auction. Don't just do a little thing. Um, hold it up high and they will get you one. If you don't own one, keep this one. Okay, we want to make sure everybody has a Bible. So we want to make sure that if you don't have one, keep this, underline stuff, put your name in it, write questions. Okay, we want to make sure that everybody has a Bible. And, um, you know, what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of keep it really simple. We're just going to spend all of our time in that passage in Matthew chapter 6. So if you will go ahead and um, turn there with me. And while you are, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and get us, get us, um, get us kind of set up here. So we're going to be um, in, in a few, in a bit at the end of our time here, all the kids, just to kind of prepare your hearts and your ears and your expectations. Um, all the kids are going to come back in here and we're going to sing together joy to the world um, with our kids, okay? And so they're going to come in here and my kids were practicing that song um, uh, or earlier this week and um, it was a joyful, no- it was a noise um, to the Lord. And like seriously, people stopped outside our house and were out there kind of like looking around and um, we don't own a dog, but I'm sure dogs were howling and um and uh, uh and I just want to say too we we told um if your kids are here they're welcome we love it I have kids myself they're welcome in here this is great we do have a children's ministry in the back but since this is a special day and we're gonna have all of the kids in here anyway it's no thing so your kids can be in here I'm they can come up here I'll hold them it's fine um so. So with that, though, they're going to be singing joy to the world. We're all going to be singing joy to the world. And um, I'm sure some of us, it'll be a fun time. Okay, it's, it's a beautiful noise, but it's a noise. But when, we kinda, when we're honest, though, with ourselves, this time of year, Christmas, um, Advent, it is, can be a pretty confusing time. Because for many of us, even as Wesley so, so honestly shared this morning... This, this season can be, um, can be hard because we can remember people that we don't have here with us. And we can um, remember for some of us um, years past where our parents maybe got into fights and where um, Christmas in this season maybe represents some hard things. And yet at the same time, we do. I mean, we have lights and we drink hot chocolate and get candy canes and sing songs and, there's, and, there's, and there can be joy, but it can be confusing because we say... Joy to the world, but then these times come where it's like, well, that's confusing. What does that mean? Do I really feel joy right now? And the, and the reality of where we're at is we're doing this Advent season, this Advent series. It's the return of the King. Okay, so hear me. When we do this, perhaps you, you didn't know this. The word Advent means the anticipation of the arrival of someone important. So throughout the history of the world, from the very beginning, God promised to send one who would make right what had been broken. And so he sent his son, Jesus. He was born in a manger. That was the first advent, the first arrival of the king. 
But he came in an un, um, unsuspected way. He came as a child born in a stinky manger. And then he died a brutal death on a cross. Not something that we normally think of a king doing. And then he rose victoriously from the dead and he said, I will come again. I will return. This time, not as I first did, but to bring my kingdom once and for all. To make all things new, what has been broken. So we anticipate the second coming, the second advent of Jesus. And each week we've um, looked at some themes, right? The, 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 the first week we looked at um, his kingdom is near. And we talked about how the kingdom has already started to come, which we'll talk about some today. And then last week we talked about his is the kingdom. That you don't have the kingdom without the king. That the kingdom of God is centered upon the person and work of Jesus. And then this week we talk about thy kingdom come. Because we're all in this place where we recognize things are not the way they ought to be. Again, even during this Christmas season, while there's joy, we, we struggle because there are things that just hurt, shouldn't be this way. So I'm going to um, read a quote first before we get into this. It's um, an incredible quote by a woman named Christina Cleveland, who I've actually gotten to meet. She's a professor at a seminary in Minnesota, and she says this. We've been tricked by chocolate-filled advent calendars and blissful Christmas pageants that gloss over the very real evil that makes the Messiah's coming so very necessary, so very loving, and so very heroic. Advent isn't a holiday party. It doesn't pressure us to conjure up a hopeful face, ring bells, and dismiss the foulest realities we face. Advent isn't about our best world, it's about our worst world. I think we eat the chocolate and put on the pageants because we don't want to face the worst. Advent is an invitation to plunge into the deep, dark waters of our worst world, knowing that when we resurface for air, we will encounter the hopeful, hovering spirit of God. Okay, that's real talk. Okay, that's, that's real. That's where we are right now. We don't conjure up a face, right? We don't need to struggle and ask, um, yeah, there's joy, but what about this reality? Well, the good news of the gospel, that word, the gospel, simply means good news. The good news, the best news, is that we can say joy to the world, the Lord has come. There's joy now to be found in the fact that we've seen the promises of God played out, that we can have restored relationship with Jesus through faith in Him. But we can also say, joy to the world, the Lord will come. And that's this already but not yet reality of the kingdom. That Jesus came and said, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. But then He also said, one day it will come in its fullness. And all that has been broken will be fixed, will be made right. So we're wondering, what does that mean for me today? What does that mean for our lives? How do we live in light of that reality? Will, will we join with the rest of creation in, yes, recognizing that Jesus has come, but we join in saying, come Lord Jesus. Not conjuring up faces, not, not trying to put little band-aids over our wounds, not postponing 
hurt until after the new year, when it just comes flooding in and catches us off guard. It means we, we look at life face on, and we say, come Lord Jesus. Um, at the end of the sermon, we're going to do something a little, little bit different today, and I'm going to introduce you to a family that um, we've gotten to know and love and kind of get to come alongside, and um, who, who, who basically, that's kind of how we got to know one another, is he said, come Lord Jesus. I think for all of us, whether we know it or not, whether we're Christians or not, we recognize the longing in our hearts for things to be made right. And so Jesus himself tells us um, how to live in light of this, how to call out for him. And so he, he um, does this in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to be in um, Matthew chapter 6, that, that's called the Lord's Prayer. And let me just say, it's, this isn't a magical prayer. All right, this isn't the only way that God hears you. This is Jesus um, giving a, a substantial um, explanation to his people of this is how you say joy to the world the Lord has come and joy to the world the Lord will come. This is how you live in light of this place we are. This is how you live and have hope right now, today. And so he said to his followers, Pray then like this. So just we're just going to walk through this verse. Okay, We're going to walk through this passage together very simply. He says, when you pray like this, call out, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm going I'm to stop right there, um, and we're just going to walk through. Our Father in heaven. Right? Well, who do you think God is? What comes to mind when you think of God? Um, someone once said the, the most important thing about us is what comes into our mind when we think about God. It shapes our very lives in every way. Well, Jesus himself says, um, come, to, come before God saying, our Father, but also saying, hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? I'll, I'll kind of start out with that. Right? It's, that's some weird old English word that we just roll past and say, you know, on a knee during a sports team before, before a game. Um, no, it's very significant. Hallowed be your name means, means blessed, holy, set apart, exalted. It's being reminded that God is not what we kind of make him out to be, right? Some jolly figure, right, with the white beard and someone that's just kind of there that, you know, isn't very respectable, doesn't, isn't very significant. No, it's saying, God, you are God. You are mighty. You are, you are set apart. You are great. It's coming with reverence. It's, 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 it's saying all that you would say, you know, doctor, sir, all the things, the, 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 the respectful words that you would use, it's all that added up and saying, God, you are the most respectable. But, but at the same time, kind of seemingly contradictory, he said, but, but you also come and say, Father, Father. You, you, come, you come expectantly. You come um, without reservation. And, and so for some of us, I just want to acknowledge that this idea of Father maybe doesn't bring up great ideas for us. It's like, yeah, I get maybe Jesus. I get, but Father, I don't, I don't have a good association with the word Father. But, but, but the fact that we say, hallowed be your name and our Father actually um, helps make sense of this. Okay, because um, God is a father. It says in R Romans, God says, 
I demonstrate my love for you in this, that while you're yet sinners, Christ died for us. God is a Father who's so loving, He's so present, He's so engaged, unlike perhaps many of our fathers. He's, he's so sacrificial, He's so loving, He has our very best in mind that He sends His Son. That doesn't mean He's just weak and small and we just, you know, hey God, what's up? You know, I've joked, Jesus is my homeboy, this kind of... No, we, it means that we rightly recognize this. It means that we rightly recognize that God, Almighty God, the God who created light, who said, let there be light, who created the universe, who created everything we can even fathom, from philosophy to science to everything in between, God created, Almighty God, and then He created you and me to have relationship with Him, to know Him personally, to, to approach Him as Father, and to have reverence for who He is. And what did we do? We sinned. We basically gave God the proverbial middle finger. We turn our back on Him and said, No thanks, um, I want to do life my way. We want to do things the way we want to do it. And in came brokenness and tragedy. Some of the things we've already talked about this morning. Because of our separation from God. Because of not rightly seeing God for who He is. Sin entered the world. And, and, and hear me, look at me. A apart from Jesus... We deserve wrath. We've committed treason against the King of all things. Almighty God, hallowed be your name, is recognizing um, you are great. You are God. I am not God. But we've sinned against Him. We have, we have um, again, turned our backs and said, I want to be God. I want to take your place. That is very real. But Jesus, but God, the perfect Father, because of His love for you, He loves you so radically, so committed. He, he pursued you by sending His Son to die the death that you and I deserve so that we can now approach Him as Father. By placing your trust in Jesus, you can now come and say, God, You're amazing, You're great, You're powerful, You're almighty. And because of Jesus, you're my father. You're good. And so we, we can approach God in this way. We can live our life only through faith in Jesus in this way. And then Jesus continues and says, In light of those things, pray then like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. So much of this time of year, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. Whose kingdom are we consumed with? What, what does life look like for you? Do you, um, I think we all slide into a place of, of, of saying, um, I, I want to build my kingdom. I want it to be about me. Like the very first sin, turning our backs on God, we now want life to be all about us. And this is saying, no, having been restored, having been given a new heart by placing your faith in Jesus, our eyes are now rightly set where we say, your kingdom is the very best thing. For me, for us, for the world. Right? Living for our own kingdoms, for our own agendas, is that not how we got into this mess in the first place? Right? Some of us right now saying, I want to get my own. I want to get what, what I deserve. I never had this. I'm going to get this. I'm going to take life by the horns and I'm going to make it what I want it to be. I'm going to, and, and just fill in the blank with what that means. 
And some of those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but they come from a place where we started out of saying, no, God, you don't have my best in mind. Your kingdom's not the best place. My kingdom is. And then you have, you know, billions of people living in conflict with one another trying to pursue our own kingdom. So this is rightly recognizing your kingdom is best for me, for us. Lord, let your will be done. Again, as, as Leslie talked about earlier, I mean, it's real. Is my electricity going to be turned on? And, and this isn't saying um, uh, every time yes. But, but what this is saying is, um, and this isn't saying don't work. This isn't saying don't worry about it. Don't try to pay your bills. It's saying ultimately, foundationally, understand that the God who created light is near, is present. He knows that we need light. And he's given us purpose and hope in him. Right? And there's this saying that there, there's a pendulum that we can swing from one extreme to another. And one extreme with how we approach God says, it's kind of known as the prosperity gospel. Some of you have you know, heard of this. It's like, put your trust in Jesus and your lights will never go off. Put your trust in Jesus and you can have perfect hair and perfect teeth and perfect clothes just like me. Thankfully, God's given you a pastor that none of you struggle with that. But, um, and it's like, you get the prosperity gospel. Every, just put your faith in Jesus and everything will be easy. Easy street. And then what happens? My lights aren't on. Well, now what? Oh, you must be doing something wrong. You must have offended God, because if you were right with Him, you'd have it all. That's, that's wrong. That is evil, actually, let me say. That is not biblical. But on the other extreme, we forget that God is a person with whom we have a relationship through faith in Jesus. All right, we've, we've had our broken relationship because of sin, and by putting your trust in Jesus, that doesn't just mean you come to church every once in a while, you do these things, and you have this far-off, ethereal, maybe superstitious kind of a God. No, it says God is present. Jesus himself says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. All right, when you, when you put your faith in Jesus, you get Jesus. You get a relationship Right? Perhaps to help us make sense of this most, um, most of us have an idea of what marriage is, right? Again, for some of us, that's a really negative association. But we've seen Disney movies, we've seen other people's families, we've seen things that we have an idea of the way marriage ought to be, right? And one of the best parts of my job is I get to officiate some weddings. And I get to stand there and say, when there's a, a man and a woman, I get to say, do you take so-and-so to be your wife. You know, do you, John, take Sally to be your wife? And vice versa. I don't say, this other extreme, do you, John, take, you know, long walks on the beach and um, sex and intimacy and, you know, a companion and someone to go to the movies with and um, do you take, you know, a cook and all, whatever else it might be. Do you take that as your wife? All those things are good, but, but they don't replace the relationship. You get the person. You enter into covenantal binding relationship with a person. And all that other stuff is good, but it's context of the relationship. In the same way, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you call out and you say, um, I need you, I give my life to you, 
You, you are entering into relationship, to covenantal relationship with a person. And so if your lights don't come on, if um, you're, you get called into your boss's office, if you lose a loved one, whatever it might be, you're not left wondering, this God who I trusted is far and has nothing to do with this. No, you have a relationship that makes sense of real life, where you are right now. And all that other stuff is good, but it's, it's context for the relationship. And we, we've talked about before that, that Jesus doesn't just say, just have a relationship with me, just, just sit there, right? When I say, I now pronounce you husband and wife, I don't say, all right, just, that's it, just go sit in a dark room together and don't say anything, don't do anything, don't go on walks on the beach, don't, no, right? You're in a relationship, now you live the context of that relationship. In the same way, Jesus says, Hey, I'm here for all of life. Your bills, your joy, your struggle, all of it is lived in light of relationship with Jesus. And that, does that not make it real that we say joy to the world, joy to my heart, the Lord has come. But because he's near and present, we also say joy to the world because he will come. The struggles that I'm facing now, there's joy in it because I know I'm not alone. I know I have Jesus. I know I have his church, his people. I have community. There's joy. But it's also being honest and saying, come Lord Jesus. Because this isn't the way it should be. So there's joy because of the relationship and because of his promise. His promise to you. And so I'm going to get back to that as I close, but I want to just hit on those last couple of verses where Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is just again Jesus getting very practical, very real, saying, I'm here right now. What is more necessary to us than food? Right? We, we need to eat. And it's saying, give us this day our daily bread. It's saying, God, you provide fully. You meet my every need. Again, it's not saying, don't work. Oh, just believe. You know, and you come up, man, I can't pay my bill. I can't get food right now. And we're just like, oh, just have faith. Well, thanks for that. But it's saying that ultimately, foundationally, God will provide. Jesus is near. He's come to give you life. He's come to give you relationship. And so that you now live life saying, all right, God, I know I need to pay the bills. I need to put food on the table. But I'm not going to do like we did at the very beginning, the fall, when I turned my back on you. I'm not going to say, all right, God, you left me in the dust. i got to make it my own. No, it's now saying, Jesus, you're near. Give me today my daily bread. Provide for me. Provide for my family. Meet my emotional, relational needs. Not apart from you, but through you. It says, keep us from temptation. This is saying daily, moment by moment. Christianity, faith in Jesus is not out there. It's not, oh, I'm going to put this on hold and pick it back up in New Year and just try to get through this season and try to be happy. It's saying, no, right now, keep me from wandering. Keep my eyes on you. Keep me close. It's constantly leaning on the promise of Jesus. Look at me. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you if you entrust your life to him. 
So as I kind of wrap up here, I want to ask us to focus. I want, I want to address two groups of people in here, okay? Because I think everyone in here probably falls into one of these categories. There are Christians, people who know I have entered into that relationship with Jesus, but are rightly asking, now what? On the flip side, there are people who I hope we can be honest with ourselves here, and there are people who have never trusted Jesus and say, yeah, I've heard all this, but this, perhaps for the first time today, this is making sense, but so what? Right? We're asking, now what? And so what? Let me address first, um, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, what do you do? Very simply, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He, he said, I came to give you life and to give you life in the full. He says, repent and believe. That's one of those churchy words. Right? Okay, repent. Thanks for that. What do I do with that? This is what it means. Repent means turn to Jesus. It means all that we've talked about. It means recognizing, God, I have offended you. I have sinned against you. I've turned my back from you. I don't have relationship with you. But because of Jesus, I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I give my life to you. Repent and believe. It's as simple as that. It's, it's recognizing that apart from Jesus, there is ultimately no hope. There's no ultimate joy. Look, let me be real here. For those who never trust Jesus, this life is as close to heaven as you'll ever get. This life is as good as it will ever be. And, and as someone once said, if you have put your trust in Jesus... This life is as hard as it will ever be. Very plainly put, without Jesus, this is the, the, the closest taste of heaven you'll ever get. Without Jesus, this is the only taste of hell you'll ever experience. What that means is Jesus said, Behold, my kingdom is coming. The king has arrived. I am bringing in my kingdom right now and my kingdom will come once and for all. And so what that means is his kingdom has come by people, by his church. There's what's called common grace. Jesus' kingdom has already started to come. Um, businesses and relationships and things have started to heal and be made new, but not fully. So it's saying, apart from Jesus, you get to live in part of the kingdom right now, here and today. But when Jesus returns, the second advent, the return of the king that we look forward to, he will make right fully what has been broken. He will usher in his kingdom. And if you've never restored relationship with the king, you're not a part of his kingdom. And he will say, I, I never knew you. And what we're told is the honest truth is we get what we wanted. If you live this life saying, I don't want you, God, I want my own kingdom, then that's what you get forever. But if you rightly see and you put your trust in Jesus, you get to experience his kingdom now and forever in full. There's a passage in Romans that says, rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. For all of us right now, again, I think Leslie so adequately explained earlier, there's both weeping and rejoicing, sometimes on the same day, sometimes in the same sentence. But one day, for some, there will only be weeping. And for those who put their trust in Jesus, there will only be rejoicing. And so now let me 
Let me address, now what? If you have put your trust in Jesus, you say, I have. I've trusted Jesus. I'm a Christian. Now what? It means you live in light of that reality that there is both weeping and rejoicing. It means in your own heart. It means in the context of community, us together, we recognize some things should not be this way. I'm sorry it's happened that way. But it means we also say, um, the kingdom has come, so I'm going to weep with you, but I'm also going to rejoice, and I'm going to cry out as Jesus commanded, your kingdom come, your will be done, right now, right here on earth, as it is in heaven. Church, us together saying, it shouldn't be this way. Whatever you're going through, we're going to call out to God, and we're going to be faithful to Him in whatever way, whatever He's entrusted to us. We're going to do whatever we can to bring, to see him usher in the kingdom now. If you're in relationship where you say, I am not experiencing the kingdom of God, it means that we enter in and don't just give this far off picture of Jesus, but we say, Jesus is near. And then by his grace, we get to say, I'm near. I'll weep with you and I'll do whatever I can through dependence on Jesus help you experience his kingdom right now today it means that we rightly call out joy to the world the lord has come but we also rejoice and weep and cry out let your kingdom come because we know we can say joy to the world the lord will come and i'm going to um transition here in a minute i'm going to invite up my friends but um i'm going to pray first um, I didn't necessarily plan on that, but um, I, I, I kind of want us to transition because I feel like we need to do some work our individually here. Let, let me again speak. If you've never trusted Jesus, will today be that day? Has God um, opened your heart in such a way that perhaps for the first time you understand my greatest needs in every way are met by Jesus coming to give me life, to give me purpose, to restore me, to make sense of the brokenness, and to give hope through Him. Will you simply turn to Jesus and recognize, I've sinned against you, I don't deserve life, but you've given it. And so I respond in faith. I trust Jesus that you've done what I can't do, so I now put my trust in you. I'm going to close in prayer, and I want to ask you to just, between you and God, re- respond however He leads you. And then I'm going to transition. I'm going to invite up some of my friends. Let's pray. Lord, um, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the honesty here. I didn't, I don't, I, I sort of never know, week in and week out, what the culture, what the environment is going to be like in here. And um, Lord, I sense that it's it's that kind of awkward moment where. We rejoice happily, Lord, in seeing um, restoration. Some of us are sitting next to children as fathers, and we never had fathers. Some of us are sitting next to spouses we've been married to for years, and we grew up in homes where marriage was broken. Um, Lord, there is joy in that. There is hope in you, but there's also the reality that we need your kingdom to come. Lord, we need you, Jesus, to return. So we corporately cry that out together. We say, let your kingdom come. We say, come, Lord Jesus. But also, Lord, individuals, I pray right now, if there is anyone here 
Lord, I trust there are some here who maybe have never heard the good news of the gospel, who've never connected the dots. Lord, I, I trust that you are doing work right now of revealing yourself as a loving Father, Almighty God and loving Father. Lord, I pray that, um, that anyone in here right now who that's the case, Lord, they would simply turn to you, Jesus, and say, I want to give my life to you. And let me say, if that is you, um, at the end of our time here in our response, we're going to have some people on the side all be on the side. We'd love to um, pray with you, to talk with you. We want to enter in. We, wanna, um, we, we, don't, we don't play church here. We, we, we trust that all of life is all for Jesus. And so um, I want to ask you to, to, to honestly respond, most importantly to God, and then to, uh, to talk to someone else about it. Um, Lord Jesus, we give you this time. We thank you. We thank you for the joy we can have in you, uncircumstantial joy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now um, we're gonna, I'm going to transition. Before we enter into our kind of normal time of response where we take communion and we sing some songs and we, and we um, pray together and we talk together, um, I'm going to invite up some friends here. Jim and Dee Pfizer um, are, uh, are a couple. They're members of the church. They're a, they're a couple that we know and love, and they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Well, they met a family, um, the the. the, the family who I've now gotten to know and love. So I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and um, come up here, if you will, and then I'll go ahead and, um, and explain. Yeah, guys, come on up, please, and, um, and we'll just get right here. Um, and uh, um, let me just say, though, how this happened was, again, Jim, um, nope, you're not first, uh, Caesar, come on up. Um, so Caesar's become a friend. They, they had me over to their house the other day, incredible host, really hospitable couple. Um, but I want to ask you, though, first, bro, to just introduce your family, just kind of share who you are, and then I'll ask you some more um, questions. But well, My name is Caesar. My wife, Nubia, Angel, Damien, Ismilka, and Ariel's over there in the back. But, uh, <laughs> Where's Ismilka? I thought she was going to help me with the sermon. Okay. Um, no, that's cool. So, dude, can you um, just, just share with us, Caesar, just however you will, in honesty, um, the, the, the way I got to know Caesar is he was talking with Jim. Um, they, they got to know one another. And um, Caesar said something that I've heard him say a couple times. He said, man, I just, we just need Jesus to come back. And, of course, I, you know, not preparing these sermons too last minute, knew, wow, that's actually exactly what we're going to be looking at, you know, saying your kingdom come, Lord Jesus, come. Um, and I just asked Caesar if he would share honestly, just 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 truth, what what that means to you, what that's meant to you, and give a little kind of backstory of what's led to you just saying like things aren't the way they are supposed to be. We just need Jesus. Yeah, I just I just really need a change and do better with my life instead of just not having Jesus in my life. So I'm here to accept Jesus in my life. Hmm. Um, that's all. Kind of nervous, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, for sure, man. Um, you know, Caesar shared, um, dude, I, I just want to share with you before Jim's going to Jim's gonna pray for you guys and we'll, um, he is real though, like similar to what Leslie shared, similar to my own story, to, to all of us, every one of us in this room, that things happen that just shouldn't be. And too often in this Christmas season, we don't have the opportunity to say that when perhaps more than ever, this is the time when we should say I've been hustled, I've lost, they've lost significantly, they've been treated wrongly in some significant ways by 
by systems, by individuals, by all kinds of things. And I think in a lot of ways what Caesar shared is he just kind of felt alone and been like, is this the way? And even the phrase that you shared we talked about on Thursday, he said, man, that's just the way it is. I talked to my dad last night, actually, who's not a Christian, and he kept saying, um, well, Dave, that's just the way it is. His house that he grew up in, the house that I grew up in, got mowed over. Got, and he was saying, Dave, that's just the way it is. Just, and that's a terrible metaphor for life, right? My house is gone. My life is gone. That's just the way it is. But the good news of Jesus and saying, um, I just need Jesus to say, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And there's hope. Um, and so, dude, I just want to say with you before Jim um, prays, like, I love you, man. We love you. You're not alone. Um, we're, I'm honored, we as a church are honored to get to come just shoulder to shoulder with you in life as a dad. Um, I get to figure out what it means to be a dad, having grown up in a home without a dad there. And um, I'm, I'm excited to do that alongside you as we both look to our perfect Heavenly Father for what that looks like. Um, so Jim, if you go ahead and, and pray. Um, and, and just you guys here too for your whole family, like you're not alone. Okay, we're, um, God's, God's near and um, Jesus is near, and by His grace, we get to be near as a church. So we're, we're in it with you. All right, Jim, pray. Thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you uh, for the Salas family. We thank you for bringing uh, Cesar and Nubia and the kids here to us. Uh, Lord, um, we thank you for your love and for your grace. And Lord... Um, Especially in this time of Advent, um, when please please uh, let Cesar uh, and his family know that we come alongside of them as a church, that they feel the true love and grace that comes from you through mm-hmm. us, Lord. Um, we thank you for uh, Redemption Tucson, which is a church that that has loved this family even before we even knew them. And Lord, we thank you for that, and we uh, ask that you bless this family, uh, and that we as a church um, come to them, uh, we accept them, uh, we let them know that they are here, that they are uh, part of us, and that they feel that they, that we as a church are part of them, uh, their extended family, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.